0: And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode three sixty one. I'm your host, Blaine Pudway and I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Treg Wilson. Good day, Matt Smith. Good evening, and our special guest, who's returning to the show for I believe the third time now, uh, Gavin Chiasso, the owner of Recruit Scouting, uh, scout with the, uh, the 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 EL Red Wings. Uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, by EL, it's Elliot Lake. I, I was trying to fancy it up a little bit, but you know.
1: <laughs> I've been to
2: Elliott Lake. My dad used to live in Elliott Lake. Ooh, interesting. There's a tie. The world. He, he was born in New Liskert, and then his family moved to Elliott Lake, and uh, he worked up in the mines in that area. Nice. When he was, when he was 15, 16.
1: Yeah. I spend most of my time in Sudbury. I just come up here for the summers, really, and this is probably my final summer here before I uh, start my career after next April.
0: Let me guess, you're going to head down towards Toronto, London, Barrie?
1: No, looking to stay north or um, Ottawa Valley. Love that area.
0: It is nice in the valley, but there's something to be said about the north.
1: Yeah for sure.
2: Well, it's not the center uh, of the universe. It's just above the center. No.
0: That's right. <laughs> it's the small of the back. Uh all right, so uh, in this in, in this episode we're going to cover the draft uh, as we have in the last few uh clearly because the draft is coming up in Nashville on Wednesday. So we're doing this to get prepared, learn a little bit about all the different uh, prospects and get different points of view uh, because not everyone wants to just listen to us drone on and on over and over again about the same subjects. We're bringing in people who do this for a living or at least working their way up there. So uh, Gavin, you, you've completed your uh, draft list with your, uh, with your scouting service. Um, this being a Habs show, why don't we start with who is going to be the first person to stare down the Habs table at the draft this year?
1: Ooh, is that a mention to Shane Wright last year?
3: It is. Um, It it never happened. Never happened. (laughs) It did.
1: Well, he says it didn't. I like to think he did. My eyes say otherwise? It's so funny, too, with what happened last year. Like, everyone had a certain opinion on right. And I sort of had the opposite opinion. Everyone thought like just nicest kid that there's no, and, and don't get me wrong. He is a very nice kid. He just, I think there was a little bit of arrogance, um, in how he spoke sometimes. And so I had the opposite opinion of people and then they saw him stare down the draft table and they're like, Oh, maybe he does have a attitude problem and this and that. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, that was badass! Like I loved that. <laughs> I thought that was, that was You know, pretty cool. Um, But yeah, I think the first person to sort of stare down the table this year uh, really has to do with who's left up on the board. Um, Now, it could be Matt V. Michkov if he shows up to the draft next week. Uh, There's there's a lot of different theories sort of rolling around on what's going to be happening with Michkov, uh, what teams he's going to meet with, if he's even going to meet with them. Uh, there's a lot of drama. So if he's there, uh, he might think that at five, if Montreal passes on him, he might stare them down. Uh, but, you know, it might not be in as dramatic a fashion as Shane Wright. Shane Wright was at least picked fourth. Uh, Mitchkov might not go until like the 20s. He'd look I don't ba- think they'd care. Sure. According
2: to Bob McKenzie, he is going to be there the end of this weekend. And his agent has said that he's made meetings up with some teams. That's okay. according to Bob. That that was Bob McKenzie today before he put his yes. draft. Either right before or right after he put his draft list in. Gotcha. Okay, good to know that.
1: I've been taking a look at that uh, thing in too much detail yet. I've been very busy today, so it's good to know that. So yeah, I guess he'll be there. So yeah, he might he might stare down the Habs table if he's not chosen fifth, but.
0: Yeah, so some, somewhere around number eight, perhaps, he'll be walking by the table. Hmm.
1: Perhaps, depends how the, those meetings go. Depends how teams feel as well. Uh, to me, there's a lot of op-end talent in this class. Like, there's a lot. So if you're a team who doesn't want to deal with the potential drama, if you're a team who just feels like, uh eh, this guy might fit our our You know, roster a little bit better. uh, I could see him definitely sliding down to the teens or even the early twenties.
0: Well that would uh, that would definitely get some tongues wagging.
1: That would definitely. Oh, every I bet every fan base would just be booing with every team selection if that happened, (laughs) one after the other.
2: Maybe. So the Habs can do what Grant suggested: trade back get the ninth and 17th pick from Detroit pick say Reinbacher at nine and Mitch at 17. And then everyone's happy. Awesome. (laughs) They still
0: won't be. (laughs) I don't know. I I doubt that he's going to get past uh, Washington, but um, you know, it's neither here nor there. Now looking at your list, Gavin, you have some very, Interesting setup here. um At four ahead of Mitchkov, you have Zach Benson. Yes. What is it with Zach Benson that you saw that put him ahead of what may be the greatest potential draft pick in the history of humanity in Matthew Mitchkov?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I might be amping him up a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I definitely, you know, they're about the same size. They're both about 5'10. Um, but to me, if you look at Benson's track record and you look at his work ethic and you look at how much detail that he has put into his overall game, I don't think anybody could convince me otherwise that that is not someone who has now made a bigger name than Mitchkov, who I have felt for the past three years, right? We've known about Mitchkov for a long time in the prospect world. And watching him as like a, uh, 15 I guess 15 year old uh maybe 16 all the way till now I have had the same issues with his game that I've wanted to see him clean up and it feels like he's gotten better and better at his strengths and you know he just he doesn't really care to fix up areas of his game um that are not up to par and don't get me wrong that's not the biggest of deals in my eye um but it is when it's something as important as like play style. Uh, I find that Mitchkov plays on the outside very often. Uh, I think when Craig Button was doing his um his rankings on TV, I was watching it. and they were sort of showing all the highlights of a bunch of Mitchkov goals and points this season and whatnot. And uh, I remember sort of nudging my dad, who's a big hockey fan as well, and he trusts my opinion on Mitchkov. I said, from the very first clip, I said, watch, I bet you he won't, there's not going to be a clip of him scoring down the middle. And sure enough, everything was from the outside. Um, Mitchkov does not like to get into any of the dirty areas. And because he's small, that's a little bit of a problem, especially for three years now. He hasn't really pushed himself into as dangerous areas. Uh, it takes a lot of shot attempts, like a lot of shot attempts. Uh, so you see the highlights and you think, wow, this kid is, great but a lot of people aren't really getting to see um a lot of the plays that he's making that don't pan out and for for a scout um there are times where i'm watching him and i'm like why why like why would you take that shot or why not move in um whereas with benson i'm just watching one of the most athletic kids in the class who has gotten better over the past three seasons playing with winnipeg um who has just tremendous work ethic, good hands. Um, some people say the skating isn't isn't fully there. I don't know. I don't I don't mind his skating. I think he's a fairly good skater. Um, but someone who just has like he's a dual threat. He can shoot the lights out, but he can also make a lot of plays to the middle. Um, but he can also play down it. Like Benson is not afraid to get into the dirty areas. Uh, and so when I look at the track record over the past three years of both prospects. Um, I think that anyone, if they had paid attention to both side-by-side over the past three seasons, I think undoubtedly they would say Benson is better.
0: Well, Benson does play between the dots quite often. I believe most of his game is between the dots, whereas uh, Mitchkov, like you mentioned, is outside the dots. And this is where the live viewings, the lack of live viewings is going to hurt Mitchkov, in my opinion. And that's you you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Well, what's he doing? How is he setting himself up? Why is he making that play? If you were watching live, you'd have a, a more complete picture as opposed to just that that camera angle. You'd be able to see, well, where's the other players? Is he noticing those players? Is he drawing defenders towards him to make a lane for those players? Like the, All these little things. Is he even looking to play defense at any point in time? And the answer is no. But these are things that you see when you're watching the game live. And that's why scouting these guys on YouTube tends to not work that well.
2: Correct. I I asked a question, uh, or I've been saying uh, on Twitter and asking the question, like, you know, like, we know mitch goss talent there's no denying his talent we've seen it at the u18 but like i said we haven't he hasn't been able to be properly scout now we know when the russian thing happened a lot of teams pulled their scouts out of russia uh there are some there uh babarov from montreal i think it's his father his grandfather is still a uh, scout with saint petersburg um but uh simon saint laurent i don't know if you guys know this guy it's a guy i follow on twitter Anyway, he wrote uh, on Michkov and he's high on Michkov, but he also says he doesn't do anything in the defensive zone. Like he he doesn't uh, transition through the neutral zone. He never he doesn't carry the puck out of the defensive zone into the offensive zone. He's, you know, um but his statement is too that his talent makes up it's he's the way I read it, all I kept thinking about was Phil Kessel. Really if you think about it. That that's that's what I thought about. It. I mean, maybe not as athletic looking as Phil Kessel is, but uh, <laughs> uh, as I read what he read said about Mitch Koff, like he said, is it the VHL or the MHL, like the 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 lower league? The uh,
1: the MHL is and the VHL
2: is like okay. yeah, uh, a- like the AHL. Yeah, so in the MHL, according to him, his defense was non-existent. Like he literally just skated into the zone and waited for the puck. Um, no. but, but he, but he also mentioned that with Mitch Goff was that, uh, he doesn't repeat his mistakes. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like he, he learns, um, but he, uh, he had, didn't really have a lot of good things to say about his defensive and his, his, uh, transition. So yes. if
0: you're picking at five, do you really want to pick a player that's one dimensional?
2: It depends. I would say it depends on the talent. Like, if he has the talent to score 60 goals, 100 points, Phil Kessel, perfect example, and that's why I brought him up. Phil Kessel's a one-dimensional player, but I, in his prime, I'd have him on my team, 100%.
1: I was going to kind of make that, um, or at least bring up that argument. You guys had chosen a kid, I don't know if you guys know him, by the name of Cole Caulfield, uh, in the past few years, uh, 2019, Pretty and um, – He was noted as being one-dimensional, but that one-dimensional is the most important, scoring goals. Uh, Now, Caulfield has done magic for you guys. You guys just locked him up. Uh, That's a young kid as well. Do you need another Caulfield on your team? Uh, I don't necessarily think you need somebody like Michkov um, on the Habs, regardless if he's there at five. Um, I think if Benson's there, he's going to offer a little bit more than Mitch can to your team. Uh, Even Ryan Leonard, like, do you want another Caulfield or do you want, like, a a Matthew Kachuk on your team? There's a couple of different options at five that I think – I know people say draft the best player available because at least you can maybe make a trade for him. But given the situation, I just don't see why Montreal would need to.
0: Yeah, and with Leonard, uh, he plays a bit of a power game, and that's something the Canadians are lacking in their system. They've they've got very few players who can play that style, and that does factor in. I mean, when all things being equal, you know, they say best player available, but sometimes those those intangibles tip the scales a bit. Uh, Dvorsky, that's another name that's on. Um, uh, Bob McKenzie's list. That's fairly high up. He's a complete centerman. He's got a large frame and he's dominated against his own age group. Maybe he's a pick there. Maybe I doubt it, but maybe.
1: I think there's, there's better prospects for you guys to grab at, at five than Dvorsky. I personally, I, uh, I don't know if you read my, my up on him. I have him ranked at 25 and I sort of said, From the start of the year, this was maybe, you know, you kind of have players every year that you start off high on and you might say, this is sort of their year to lose though. So it's either show me what you can actually do that's better than last year, um, because I'm not quite sure I believe your ceiling. And sometimes I say that about, you know, people entering their draft year, uh, if I've watched them a little bit the year before. Uh, And Dvorsky was one of those guys. I mean, I just sort of said like, This might be his year to lose, and I think throughout the year, he's matured, he's gotten stronger, he's sort of brushed up some edges of his game, Um, but to me, the overall stealing is not really there for me to like him in the top 10, at least.
2: I I mean, I personally think... Oh yeah, go ahead, Matt, I've been talking
3: ahead. you got anything? Go, oh, go I was going to say. I'll, I'll, add after, I'll add after you. Yeah.
2: Personally, I think if they don't go with Mitch Koff, they should go with Ryan Leonard. That's would be my pick at five. Um, Nothing against Zach Benson or anything, but I think Montreal has enough five, ten and below players on their team that, uh, you know, and this includes Mitch Koff. that's That could be another factor of why uh, Mitch Koff's not picked. Uh, but I also think the interview, if they have an interview with Mitch Koff this week, will be very telling. Because they also want character players. Now, there have been reports out that Mitchkov's not a great teammate. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Mitchkov. I don't want to be called a Nazi on Twitter. Um, so again, <laughs> again, um, so I. But I'm just I'm just saying what I hear. Um, personally, if they pay Mitchkov, great, awesome. Right. If they don't, I, I hope it. I personally hope it's Ryan Leonard. I think I would be disappointed if it's Reinbacher, even though I know Grant had a good, uh, uh, Grant McKay, when we talked to him, he had a good reasoning for why they should take Reinbacher. I get it. However, with the talented forwards that's in this draft, I don't think you can pass up on them, you know, like for, for a defenseman. To me, Reinbacher would be we're drafting for a need, not for, not for a want. And, and I personally uh, think
1: there's better defensemen in the draft too.
2: And this, I mean, but he's this, right,
1: this is going to be my question,
2: but he's right-handed. That's why the other better defensemen are left-handed and Montreal is chock full of left-handed defensemen.
1: Yeah, so, I suppose, but that's really, that is really drafting about the skill level. Like for me, I, I only have three defense in the top 20 and it's in that order. Axel Sand and Pelica, Simashev and Rhinebacker. Um, like Ryan Backer's at 20 and like if if you take a guy at 20 at five you're really I know he's in some people's top tens but off of my personal list I would probably mark that down as a big miss at least it's not as big as when Ottawa took Tyler Boucher I'm still sad over that
0: (laughs) I mean good for Tyler
1: yeah great for him uh in some regards, I guess.
0: Now, uh, Matt, you could uh, you elaborate a little bit on uh, on this part? Because you did have a question on this.
3: It pre- my question's pretty much mute now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was more or less like if if we talked a little bit about Reinbacher on another show, and, and Grant did say that it was going to be a fit, um, there has been reports that maybe Montreal was going to look possibly for a defenseman on the right side. Um, and I was just going to bring up Gavin having uh Sandy and Pelica at nine and uh, you know, why you have him ranked so high when uh, he's not as high on maybe some other lists.
1: Right. So I, I really tried to pay attention to those big three defensemen um, in my, in my final viewings, just because like there's, not even close to a consensus if you were to ask people just rank your top three defenders um those three are typically the ones that people will give out especially as we near the draft with simashev uh catching a lot of the wave towards the end of the year um i like simashev right from the start but through watching Rhinebacker, i felt start of the year to now hasn't really gotten all that much better um, and I remember one of our one of our scouts had made the argument in one of the um, draft meetings that we had. And I think he thought he was making a, a really great point where he said, well, yeah, but the Swiss League isn't really like a developmental league. It's a very strong and talented league. Like the Swiss League is about as well-rounded as you can get. Um, but it's by no means a developmental league. And I think he was trying to use that as an argument. I just sort of looked at it as... Well yeah I can see that. Like he's sort of rounded out his game but I don't think there's anything elite about Rheinbacker that truly puts him uh onto a first line. Um to me like the the defense is fine and it's really good for an 18-year-old to be like defensively fine. He's not great but he's fine. He's average uh in a men's league. That that to me is huge. Um but then you look at the offense and I think, you know, Good breakout passes, good, good in transition. Um actual offense. I, I don't know if he really creates all that much. To me, Rhinebacker is a very safe pick. Um, but I think he will fit either you, as your fourth, fifth, or sixth defenseman on a team, uh, rather than first, second, or third. For Simishev, um, sort of similar to Rhinebacker, I suppose. There's a little bit more potential. Ryan Backer's miles ahead of Simashev right now. Uh, but Simashev has a large frame to fill out and he's tremendous defensively. So even if you put Simashev on your bottom four, uh, at least, you know, that you're getting a very reliable shutdown defenseman who can play your penalty kill. Uh, and he's got a little bit of offensive flair. I sort of said it at the start of the year, people were like, ah, he's got zero points in the KHL. I'm like, it's the KHL. But when he stepped down to the NHL, You could sort of see that offensive flair a little bit more. Uh, He needs to work on his, I would say, acceleration. Like there are times when I think Simashev is trying to fake out opponents or sort of be a little bit creative, and at the next level, he's just he's too slow on those creative aspects to make it work. But like I said, he's got a couple of years. Uh, I think you know he's not as NHL ready as Rhinebacker, but I think by the time he comes into the NHL sort of rounds out his game a little bit more, gets bigger, faster, stronger, I think he's better. As for Axel Sand and Pelica being my top-ranked one, um, and I said this in my report, is is he's super offensive enough to have as a top two? Um, probably not, but I sort of said the same things about Simone de last year. Uh, and so I, I sort of included that in my article, uh, whereas Axel Sand and Pelica will be to blank as the is to Hughes. So if you compare uh, ASP with a, a strong offensive defender, ASP is reliable on both sides of the ice. Um, good in transition. He's reliable defensively. Uh, like there's a reason why by the end of the world juniors, ASP was playing pretty much the most amount of minutes of any Swedish defenseman. Uh, and that's the youngest guy on their team. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's not too often that you find Players like that. Uh Owen Power with with Team Canada um, in his draft year, he was playing for the men's. Uh, that's very telling to me. And I started off the year a little bit sour on Axel Sandapelaga, but towards the end, I just thought he got much better throughout the season. Um, you know, I think playing with um he could have played on a little bit more of an offensive team where he could have let his back end playmaking show a little bit more um but i think once he comes over that's going to sort of work itself out
0: now with the with the draft strategies looking at next season in 2024 that draft and especially in the first round is heavy 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 towards defense yes. so i could see gms saying maybe we won't value these defensemen quite as high with the comparison to all these forwards that are coming up in this in this draft because this draft is very heavy towards the forwards. Absolutely. So maybe follow a strategy where, yeah, I'll pick a defenseman, but I'm not going to make much of a reach for no. that defender.
1: Yeah, and I fully agree with that. I've sort of said halfway through the season watching the 2024 um prospects sort of come up i don't know if it was actually halfway it might have been three quarters um but it's like man there's 12 or 13 maybe even 14 defensemen who could be first rounders next year like that's how strong um that defense crop is and it's sort of funny how like lopsided it's sort of getting in terms of position. Cause you see this year and you might say like, ah, oh, there's not really any good defensemen. Um, at least no high end ones. And like, we could all be wrong about that just because the forward group is so ridiculously strong that these defense are struggling to contain them. But when everything sort of gets evened out in the NHL and, you know, over the next few years of development, they could be fantastic defenders. Um, and also for next year, like these are rookies. Who are having to defend connor bedard uh you know will smith uh benson um who's some ohl guys like barlow and richie and you know they have to defend those guys so as a rookie doing that i'm like man i'm super excited for next year because these kids are already having a tackle on those guys in their first year so i wonder what they can do when you know they're sort of a year older a year stronger a year bigger So I'd definitely reach for a defenseman next year. If you're that desperate to get a defenseman, you could probably hold on another year.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, did did you have something?
3: Yeah. um, Other than Mitchkov, who do you think could slide?
1: Well, my ranking has Andrew Kristol at eight, um, I don't know where he ended up on Bob's. I guess I didn't really search him out on there. Um, but I cannot believe uh, that people are not as high on Cristola. Some people have sort of said, I don't know if his game's going to translate. I don't really see how they think that. Um, I've said since halfway through the season that he's, he's for sure a lottery pick, at least. Um, there's not many players that are as dangerous offensively as crystal is. And I know that the skating isn't like top end or anything, but he's still a smart skater. In fact, in 2020, uh, Craig button, all of those big guys, um, about Cole perfetti said he has Einstein, like hockey IQ, and he's one of the most dangerous players in the draft. And I don't know how that comparison hasn't been made to crystal. Uh, I argued this in our last ranking as well, that the amount of times that crystal is able to work the puck, to, from the middle to the outside and then make an absolutely clean pl- pass to the slot is incredible. And the amount of times that it works out, he's one of the most dangerous offensive players. Um, and in that meeting, somebody, I sort of said, I don't know if there's a specific metric for that. Someone said, yep, I can find it. It's like slot passes per 60 or something. Um, and it said Andrew Kristol ranked in the like top 1% of all prospects tracked. So, I mean, he said it kind of works with your point. Um, I seriously think, like, even if the skating doesn't pan out, like, Profetti wasn't a strong skater either, and I think Perfetti's looked fantastic in the NHL so far. So that's someone that I value greatly at eight. He could be a second rounder. I mean, I, I heard from somebody that he might even slip, like, past 50, which no reason why that should happen. Uh, other guys that can slip... Edward Saleh, I don't understand. He didn't really get all that much better this year, which I will say definitely works in people's favors for ranking him in the 20s and whatnot. Um, But to me, not the same floor, but similar ceiling, maybe a little bit lighter uh, for Tim Stutzler. So great skating, um, powerful shot, able to play pro hockey right now while being so weak. Um, I think... You know, there's there's a little bit of a correlation to Tim Stutzler and looking back on 2020, I think as of right now, that might be a home run first overall pick looking back on it. Uh so that's another guy that I value greatly. Um, Grayson Sautchen is somebody that has sort of flew up Twitter Scouts boards at towards the end of the year. Um, but on Bob McKenzie's, I think he sat around like fifty or fifty-five. Um don't fully understand that. I mean, Dachin is very weak right now. I think he's only like 5'11", 155 or something. So there's a lot of strength to add um, to that. Uh, on top of that, terrific puck protection. Like he tries to do too much and I hate that about him because uh, he really just, it's so infuriating when you're watching a kid open himself up for a golden opportunity and pretty much think like, one more deke, come on, I can I can do one more silky thing. Uh, which really pisses me off. But I also think that that is very easy to round out because once you start moving to the next level, you're going to get shut down even more than you are now. And coaches are going to rip your head off if you do it. Um, But he has enough high-end skills to sort of make it work. He's another dangerous player with a lot of slot passes. Um, He has a lot of patience with the puck. He's very creative. Uh, He's got good speed and good pace to his game. I I seriously think that he's a top... 20 top 25 talent for sure. Um, other than that, hmm, not sure how many other people are going to slide down way past where I have them ranked. I think that's about it for the first round. Maybe maybe Timur Mukunov. Um, but again, I wasn't expecting to like him all that much. And the analytics sure do agree with, with my ranking on him. Um, but he's also five eight. I did say, though, that he reminds me a lot of Matt Superello. so if that's a player that people are looking to get, like that's a first-round kid for sure. Cristal's
2: 27 on Bob's ranking. That's where he is. Okay,
1: so he could be a second rounder, he could be a first, depending on how, how teams feel. I hope he's a first. I mean, you're getting a fantastic prospect. I mean, he's in my top 10, so.
3: He's going to Montreal at 31.
2: Heard it here. There you go. I'm just going <laughs> to say, so does that mean Montreal could get him at 31? <laughs>
1: you guys would be great with having like a Leonard and Crystal. You've got Leonard who has no problem playing down the middle and he's a Matthew Kachuk-like player and Matthew Kachuk does not shy away from the middle at all. He's very strong. He's big. He's a workhorse. Uh, and then you got Crystal to throw, you know, dishes right to him in front of the net. Yeah. That would, that would almost be a-, a dream draft, like hold off on the defense for next year Take two very talented forwards. Oh man, yeah, that's the dream. Do
2: you think? Uh, what's your? Where do you rate your goalies? What's your top three rated goalies in your uh, like? Where and because I, I, my prediction is Habs are going to pick a goalie at thirty-seven. Um, and who do you think? Like, who do you think they should take at thirty-seven if they're available?
1: For goalie. Uh, yeah. I know, I'm, I don't know, some some people find him the best goalie. Um, Bob McKenzie's list did not have him as the best. He's 6'2", Trey Augustine. Um, so sort of got in with the World Junior squad. He's done terrific with the uh, U.S. national team. I just don't see how people... I can see it a little bit because if you if you look at goalies' face value right now, I don't think Augustine is the best. Uh, And it's very difficult to read um, potential for goalies, but the movements, the athleticism, the poise, uh, and the IQ of Augustine all show me that he's going to be an NHL goaltender. Uh, So that's about as sure as it gets. And at the end of the day, when drafting goalies, like even people who know a lot about goalies are missing a large amount of the time because it's very hard. But if you can get someone who you know, you're like, I'm sure he'll be in the NHL someday, like Trey Augustine. That's a guy to take up 37 for sure.
2: Would you take no, him over
1: a... Barabo? Sorry.
2: Sorry, Blaine. No, no, go ahead.
1: I I personally would. Um, but I know how people view a goaltender who is six foot six. <laughs> yeah. Almost six, seven, I think.
0: Now sticking with uh that end of the first early, early second pick, um, I know Ethan Goetzee has made it clear that he feels the Canadians like his game, like him. And he, he is definitely in their, their wheelhouse, but there's another forward that's, that plays a similar game. And I'm pretty sure you've seen quite a bit of him. Uh, and that's Quentin Musty with the Sudbury Wolves. Oh yeah. Now. yeah. Okay.
2: Blaine and his Wolves.
0: <laughs> yeah, full full disclosure, uh, I I am a bit of a Sudbury homer. But after the after the Wolves made that coaching change about the midway point of the season when Derek showed up Derek McKenzie showed up in Sudbury, uh Musty looked a lot better.
1: Yeah, he definitely did. Um I I think it just it he got a lot smarter. Like he Played with more pace, he sort of trusted himself to make plays at at top speed, uh, which I like a lot. And yeah, Quentin Musty ranks at 34 for me, so it would by no means be a swing. Uh, I know some teams are sort of high on him. I'm not sure that the overall potential is is really there, even with the increased pace of play, um, and his creativity and his his playmaking abilities. I would certainly take him around that range though cuz I think you're you're probably getting a, a middle six guy who at the end of the day like even if things don't fully pan out he's a pretty safe projectable NHL player uh, so you got probably a third line guy who's going to get under people's skins um throw a lot of big hits he's going to play physical he's got that NHL like grinder mentality or mentality what am i saying I can't even remember motality. what the word is mentality mentality yeah yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't know what i'm doing um it's
0: it's a long day it's been a long day (laughs)
1: yeah uh so i i think he could definitely work out like that and it's so funny too because you watch the way he plays on the ice and he just plays like a jerk he just plays like a jerk he's under your skin he's in your face he's very aggressive he bullies you um but super nice kid off the ice like super polite very easily coachable. Um, his teammates like him. The coaches like him. At the end of the day, like it's a kid who, you know, is, is very, I, I guess, nice, polite, soft. Uh, but when he steps onto the ice, it's just a completely different ball game.
0: Yeah, he does. He, he's a, an excellent skater. Um, he has a very high compete level. I put a lot of stock into those two skills. Uh, as some of the more translatable skill sets as you can have. Uh, now, uh, Matt, did you have anything else?
3: I'll throw a Sudbury thing in there, as I know, uh, again, Lane's a big homer when it comes to Sudbury. Um, Matthew Mania, is that one of the better names in the draft? or
1: I think the name is incredible, and I also think the player is incredible i mean Quentin musty at 34 for me and mania is not far behind at 42 some people feel like he didn't get he didn't quite meet their expectations which i don't know how much i i fully agree with that because to me mania at the start of the year looked like a top 50 pick and i mean he ended the year as a top 50 pick as well uh he slid down about halfway through but in my final viewings it was like if i actually imagine how he was last year or even at the start of the season to now he's gotten much faster um again sort of like musty where he was he's now at the end of the season able to make plays at top speed uh he doesn't hold on to the puck longer than necessary um he's went end to end a couple of times he radiates confidence but he's also been fairly reliable on the back end i i've seen his defensive game grow a bit so again it, it might've just been that coaching change that really clicked with a lot of these players and their development is looking great because of it. I mean, there's a couple of Sudbury kids who could hear their names this year, even overagers. Um, so I think Sudbury's going to have a super strong team over the next few years. And it, again, that's going to build these players' confidence. Uh, now you're on a winning team. You're putting up more points than ever. Uh, that's great for development.
0: I think that uh, well, the last few drafts, people have been showing up uh, wearing costumes and supporting the players that they they've been watching in junior. If there's not a couple of people showing up dressed up with uh, mania t-shirts, looking like Macho Man uh, Macho Macho Man Randy Savage, um, that that's a mistake.
2: Does he rip his jersey off when he scores? Like, does he do the whole? Hulk. He should. Because if, it, if he doesn't, that's a whole missed opportunity.
1: That would be. Yeah.
0: Just just there think of that. the uh the the merchandise you can sell on that.
1: I also wanted to bring this up just because we're talking about a late first opportunity. Um we talked about Quentin Musty. Now let's say for fun that you guys do take Leonard at five which some people think that's a bad pick. I don't at all. I would love that pick. Um, But it would be pretty cool if you take, you know, two forwards, you take Ryan Leonard, and then you take another bully in Danny Nelson from the same team. He plays like a bull, and I have a soft spot in my scouting heart for players who play like bulls. Um, I watched Jacob Battaglia at the OHL Cup. And I like overranked him. I was like, this kid just plays like a monster. He's a big bodied guy, but he's also athletic enough that he is going to just obliterate you like great shot, great skating, great, you know, game and and pace of play, but he's also not afraid to just bulldoze you. And I think Danny Nelson is in that same regard. So if you're looking for a heavy hitter, who's going to play a heavy game, Danny Nelson's also a, a name to look out for.
3: And he was one of those guys that kind of had to play down in the lineup because he was overshadowed by guys like uh, Moore and Smith, right? And so right. and he still put up decent numbers.
1: Yes. Yeah, he's a bull. And I if I'm an NHL scout in the late first, I think I finished with him at like thirty three. Yeah. Um, I would take him just just because like you, you want those kind of guys.
0: Well, I think, uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything we were going to cover. Uh, we'll enter with some final thoughts. Um, Treg, any final thoughts?
2: I'm winning the podcast poll 62 to 38. Um, no one knows who about this uh, troll. Dale <laughs> O'Halloran uh, said who got the best podcast me or who's a Mitch. Apparently I'm a Mitch cough hater. Uh, and I've never watched him play. And that guy, um, I'm up 62, 38. So I'm beating him in his own poll. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I have it on my thing. If you go to, if you follow me and you want to vote, go ahead. You got uh, another 12 hours. <laughs>
0: uh, lovely. Okay. uh, Matt, how about you?
3: I got nothing further. Uh, Thanks. Just to say thanks for Gavin uh, coming on. Oh and yeah, thanks for coming on. Gavin. <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to it's nice to have different opinions of different uh, scouting services, uh, and, and to be able to have these conversations and uh, kind of see how one guy falls and and one guy might be really high on your list and maybe not so much on the other. So it's always interesting to uh, have these conversations. So thanks
2: for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
2: me. Actually, let me do this before we go. Just because we always yeah. talk about. Quick fire, Gavin. Who's Montreal taking at five?
1: Oh man, if he's available, I just look down. I want you to take Will Smith. Okay. If in some world he's available at five, Blaine.
0: Uh, Will Smith is my
2: top choice. Matt, I think they're picking Leonard. I think depending on the interview, they're going with Mitch Kov or Leonard mitchcock's interview goes well they're taking him i i don't think smith's going to be there That's the only reason why i'm not saying smith um but uh i think they're uh if the interview goes well as mitchcock if it doesn't i'm with you matt i'm going with ryan leonard imagine having a matthew kachuk on your team and then people bitching about it when when they didn't pick matthew kachuk everybody (laughs) bitched about it (laughs) Or uh, who's the younger one? Who's the one that Nate 18? Brad, Brady Kachuk. Same thing. Pretty much same player. Uh, but I'm, I'm just saying, imagine. Imagine getting a Matthew Kachuk type player and then bitching about it, but also bitch because they didn't pick Brady Kachuk. Make up your mind, my friends.
0: Yeah, and that's the beauty points. of Habs Twitter.
2: <laughs> although I do get the Mitch Cough thing. I do get it. I get it. The Habs need a 100-point score.
0: Now, uh, for me, uh, I don't have a lot. I, again, I want to thank you for coming on, Gavin. Uh, and before we get to you with your final thought, uh, I just want to state that hot water freezes faster than cold water.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there you go. Something to think about.
2: It's not as strong, though. The ice is not as strong.
0: Eh. That's Yeah, well... <laughs> it melts just as easily in my vodka. Uh, all right, uh, Gavin, um, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you find your lists and, you know, every little detail. Don't, don't spare any of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL uh, I haven't been as I guess day-to-day interactive Uh, on the app over the past year I was coaching hockey I was scouting and and trying to keep it on the low I guess and in school full-time so it got very busy Uh, I'm looking to sort of change that I'm going to be doing a lot of um, both ways my schedule is looking great next year so it's very likely that I'm going to be scouting both the NHL draft and the OHL draft so if any of you are interested in that uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter and, and keep up to date because I will be posting frequently. Uh, further, you can find a lot of my articles and my team's articles uh, on recruitscouting.com.
0: Well, again, Gavin, thank you very, very much for coming on. Uh, we do appreciate your point of view and how you came to your conclusions. It, I think it's, it's illuminating to see how different scouts uh, view different players Like Matt said, and uh, for our listeners, thank you guys for sticking with us, uh, for providing us some, uh, you know, these, these emails and these requests uh, for guests to come on. This is how we, we know who to go after and who you guys want. Uh, Although in this case, this was all for me, to be honest. Um, (laughs) So again, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we.